0: Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. Thank you for listening to one of our great messages. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Because all that I am, Lord, will follow you all of my days. No looking back, I've left behind my former ways. of AIDS earth. I pray that your will is done here tonight, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you said that all authority has been given unto me. All authority, Lord God. I thank you, Jesus, and then you delegated that to us. I thank you, Father in heaven, that we live victorious. We live victorious. The enemy has no authority. All authority is with you, Lord God. Well, hi guys. My name's Ra. It's uh, I'm from New Zealand. Uh, do we have any guests here tonight? You haven't been here before, or, or um, I haven't met you before. How you going? Nice to meet you. Where are you, where you from, mate? Oh, really? Oh, awesome. So you just been on, just been around here? Like, have you moved from another area, or from Sydney? Oh, cool. I'm from. I was originally from Sydney too. D.Y. Beach and Cronulla and all that kind of stuff. So welcome, mate. Hope you... Um, did you go to Oxford Falls down there? Silverwater. Great campus. Great campus out there. I like old... Um, I forget their names now. Hartley. <laughs> They're great friends. Hartley and uh, Natalie. got you. Came back. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Had to rope that back in. Well, how are you? Um, look, tonight I just want to... Uh, get on with it because, because I, what's a, yeah, I've, got, I've got a little bit of time. But tonight I just want to talk to you about uh, something that God spoke to me about at the start of this year. Me and my wife and my little, my little baby, uh, we were traveling up the coast, we are going to somebody's uh, engagement party, and as I was driving, my little baby was 14 days old and we were doing a, a road trip to the Gold Coast. Yeah, she was great, but I was driving and God started to speak to me about these three things. He started to speak to me about my year, He started to speak to me about... Uh, how do, how do, um, just how he wanted me to live out this year. And I started asking these things, and, and this is what God told me. He says, Ra, he said, this year, I want you to lift your hands. He says, I want you to lift your eyes, and I want you to lift your voice. I said, hey, oh, yeah, that's great, God. You know, lift my hands, lift my eyes, lift my voice. So tonight I wanna to talk about that. I wanna just share around this whole thing about lifting your hands. Lifting your eyes and lifting your voice. Now, I don't, remember, I don't know about you guys, the first one is lifting your hands and, and the scripture I wanna use is uh, Lamentations 3.41. It says this, let us lift our hearts and hands to God. Now, who remembers the first time they lifted their hands in church? Honestly, yeah, how awkward was it? Seriously? I remember when I first came to church, because I wasn't a churchy, obviously, because I first came to church, but I, I came to church, and, 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 and it was Oxford Falls, and, um, and it was crazy, you know, people were bawling their eyes out, and they're crying, and hands are lifted, and, and, and there's weeping, and all this kind of stuff, and I thought, man, these guys are, these guys are out there, you know, they're a little bit crazy, and, and I went along enough time to, to, to finally, I got enough courage where I said, tonight I'm going to do it, tonight I'm going to lift my hands. Tonight, I'm, like, I don't care who's watching. I don't care who's who's around. I don't care. Tonight, 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 I'm going to lift my hands, and so. The song's going, and, and I'm all scared beforehand. I'm singing and clapping and doing all this kind of stuff, and, and I'm waiting for the chorus to build so you know when that, when that powerful part, you know, this kind of stuff. And so it's coming and it's building and all this kind of stuff. Oh, there's a kingdom, oh, there's a power. Oh, yes, I lift my hand up there, bang, straight back down. I lasted all of two seconds, and I was, uh, I was the scaredest guy. Like, was, was everyone looking at me? Like, did I do it wrong? And you know. It was an experience where I, you know, and, and even now, who, who, most people would agree that when they walk into church and, and, and our beautiful worship leader says, lift your hands, and, it's, and it's, it's kind of a, this kind of thing, you know, it's kind of this, this, this uh, it's, it's not easy, would you agree? It's not sometimes not easy, and even, even if you've been a seasoned a seasoned Christian and you sit on the front row and, and, and you get inspired at one moment, and you know the chorus comes and you're like this and, you're like, and then you realize that people are behind you and watching you, and you kind of slowly just you know try to be cool and yeah, and back out of it. you're back out of that thing, you know. Well, um, I remember that, and um, I remember being like that, and and you know for me. If I was to explain what lifting my hands is, to me, lifting my hands is a repositioning. Because I come into the, I come into the house of God, and, and sometimes you don't feel great. I come into the house of God, you had a bad week, whatever, and, and they say, lift your hands, and you're like, oh, God. And, but, and, 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 you know, but, but soon enough, as soon as you lift your hands, something happens. You know? To me, it's a repositioning where, where I come in and I reposition myself to be, to be, a, uh, to be, worship, to be a worshiper of God where I reposition myself to, to have an attitude of worship, where I reposition that my inside, because it's all this area here, this heart, where I reposition my inside to, to be humble, where I, you know, where I was proud. And, and it's this beautiful thing where when you lift your hands, something happens on the inside where you reposition yourself. Yeah, It's about repositioning. And I want to talk about that. God spoke to me about re- living positionally. He spoke to me about living positionally. I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. Now, have you ever, uh, like, if you think about the world's churches, you'd have to agree that the guys who lift their hands the best are the Afro-American brothers over in America. Would you agree? Yeah. Would you agree? They're like ah, 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 and they're like they're they don't care who's watching. They don't care what's around. People's busting you to touch the lift your hands, and they're like ah, yeah. And they're into it, and I love it. Like, there's nothing that holds them back. They're just out there. They don't care what everyone's thinking. They don't care. It's just about them and God, and they just go for it. so liberating. And I think about it, and I think, well, that, that shouldn't be so. That, that, if you think about it, that should make... Australians should be lifting their hands like that. Australians, you know why? Because we've got this beautiful history of well, everything sweet and dandy, but, the, but, the, but our Afro-American brothers... Not so much. They've got this history of slavery. They've got this history of taken from their homeland, from their home country. They've got this history where they are bound, where they were beaten, where they are told somebody, you have to call me master. I mean, what kind of psychological oppression is that? You must call me master. Oh, yes, master. Just don't whip me, master. And then, you know, they'd be told this kind of thing. How is it, how is it that these guys are the guys like this? Are you with me? And I thought about it and I realized that they, they, they learned this power of living positionally. They learned that you may shackle my feet, but I will lift my hands. You know what I mean? You may shackle my feet, but I will lift my hands. You may beat my body, but my spirit will soar. Are you with me? Oh, I might have to call you Massa, but I have a Lord uh, who I'm calling you. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And they learned this powerful thing of somehow not living according to their circumstances, but living according to the position on the inside. And God wants us to live from a position of knowing who we are in Christ. God wants us to live from a position of who we are in Him. And it's one of the biggest battles after salvation I reckon there is on the planet. I reckon as we see that the enemy doesn't want that. We see when Jesus was tempted, what do the enemy say? He says, if you are the son of God. He starts, he starts attacking his identity in Christ. If you are the son of God. Why don't you do this? If you are the son of God. So, we got, so what we have is if you look around and we'll be honest with ourselves, we have this epidemic, we have this, this plague, even in the Christian world of people not knowing who they are in Christ. We come to church, we come to church, but we get our identity from our friends. We come to church, but we get our identity from magazines and TV. We come to church, but our identity is founded on shifting sands. Are you with me? But God doesn't want that. I really heard God say, I want you to learn to live positionally right. This year, when you raise your hand, learn to shift to the position that I've called you to be. To the man that I've called you to be, because he says, you are my son you are no longer that person that your mom said you were you are my son god you're a, you're a new creation and and my first point is this is that if we if, look here's the thing if one person learns they wake up and they understand look i i am a child of god and they start believing on the inside without a shadow of a doubt that i'm a child of god that i've been redeemed i've been justified i'm his creation I'm his masterpiece. You with me? He, he's, he's with me. He's anointed me. When, when someone actually starts to believe that on the inside, demons start to tremble. For real. For real. Not, not, you know. But here's the deal. God's trying to get the church as a whole to live here. God's trying to get the church as an entity, as a body, to move into this place of knowing who you are and living from that thing. Because when the church, as a body, moves to that place, then something starts to change. Then the community will change. When church, as a body, as you and I, not just an individual, but in the church, of the body, starts actually realizing who they are in Christ, I tell you what, that, that's when we become the chief of the mountains. That's when we're actually able to go and do something crazy and, and, and see the miraculous start to happen. I truly believe that if every single one of us actually took the time out Maybe half an hour a day to to remind yourself of who you are in Christ. I'm I'm telling you that vision that we have will come like twice as fast. Because when you, when you become a new creation in Christ, your power no longer comes from who you are; it comes from whose you are. Are you with me? So you have to start to learn that I am the child of God. Oh yeah, you want to bring it on like you don't you, you don't know my daddy? He the Alpha and Amiga. You don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. You start living this. You don't walk like this, and you're strutting, you know, you're walking around thinking, because you're knowing who you are and you're knowing whose you are. Is this okay? Yeah. So the point is this, my first point is this, learn to live positionally, live as a child of God, that every day you walk out of your door, you know who you are and whose you are. And here's the thing, once you do that, vision comes. New vision comes, my second point, lift your eyes. Once you start to learn who you are and what you have and you, and you start living that thing out, you start getting fresh vision. Lift your eyes. My second point. I'm going to just keep moving. Psalm 121 verse 1 says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall I get my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Um, I want to talk about perspective I want to talk about perspective. Now, Garth, a couple of scriptures that he used there I was going to use tonight. He's so prophetic, Pastor Garth. Seriously, he's out there. He's out there. But you know what? I want to talk about perspective. See, your perspective is the lens in which you see your world. Are you with me? I'll say it again. Your perspective is the lens in which you see your world. Imagine this is your perspective. Now, if I look through my perspective, everything looks purple thanks I'm colorblind. (laughs) I'm like, help me out here. See, if this is my perspective, everything I see now is purple. Stop it. Uh, You're getting my point here. But if this is my perspective, everything I see is some of you guys are just mean. Pink. Everything I see is gonna be pink. Are you with me? So it means So it means that we could be both looking at the same thing, but looking at two completely different things. All because of your perspective. And your perspective is very important and it's very powerful. The Israelites did not get into their promised land because of 10 people's perspective. Yeah? They're walking through the wilderness with God, like there's a cloud in front of them, There's there's a rock with water and bread falling from the sky. You know, and God says, go into the promised land, tell me what you see. Two of them come back and says, oh, mate, we can take him, mate, smoke him. Yeah, the Warriors versus Brisbane, mate, we'll smoke him. We'll take him. We can take them, you know, we can do that. But 10 of them come back with a different perspective, seeing exactly the same thing, completely, dis- completely different perspective. And it's very important to God what your perspective is. God says, you cannot enter into because you've got the wrong perspective. Because there's only one perspective from God's point of view, and that's a perspective of faith. That's the only perspective that God has. I want you to have a perspective of faith. Yeah? Are you with me? Yeah. And um I want can you just turn to your Bibles to so one Kings eighteen, forty one to forty five, please? I've got it here. This is this okay? I feel like I'm yelling at you. I don't want to yell at you. Beautiful, beautiful. One Kings eighteen forty one to forty five. And it's all about Elijah. And uh, what happened is there's been a drought for three years. And God has told him that there's going to be rain. So he goes up onto this mountain. He tells King Ahab, he says, hey, there's going to be rain, so get ready. So if you imagine a place that's had drought for three years, imagine what the sky is like. Blue. No clouds. Nothing. It's, it's like drought time. And I just want to read this towards you. I love it. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up. Eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. This is in a drought of three years. Faith. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, Mount Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his legs and said to his servant, go up now. Look toward the sea. So he went. He went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Then it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's fist rising out of the sea. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Awesome. So we got this guy, Elijah, man of faith. He says, hey, there's been a drought. He says, there's going to be some rain. So he sends this young fella up. And this young fellow, says, mate, go up and have a bit of look out in the sky. I can imagine this cliff and looking out over the sky and horizon and the sea. Don't tell me if you see anything. And he goes out and he goes... Nothing. So he runs back and says, no, no, there's nothing. He says, go again. So he goes again. Has a bit of a look. Nothing. All right. Go back again. Goes back again. Seven times he does this. Nothing. Then he comes back on the last time. He goes, oh, there's, there's something like the size of a man's fist. And Elijah goes, that's it. He says, that's my storm. That's my abundance right there. Yep. Isn't that amazing? Yes. we got this young kid who could see this thing. the size of. Now, you imagine how big the sky is. Massive and then you see something the size of a man's fist. Like it's tiny. It's tiny in comparison to the horizon. Size of a man's, like what is it? That's a speck. That's a speck, but Elijah says, that's my storm. Elijah says, that's my storm. The boy couldn't see it because his perspective had been clouded by three years of drought. His perspective had been formed and clouded by three years of drought. It's just a... Little dot in the sky. But a man of faith says, no, 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 no. He says, I can hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He says, that is my storm. And he says to Ahab, get ready, it's about to pour down. And the next scripture happens, what happens? Pours down raining. Isn't that amazing? That if you can see with faith, as you were talking about before, he sees it before it happens. If you can actually see, have a perspective of faith, even something the size of a man's fist, I can hear the sound of abundance of rain. SG, you may be the sound, you may be the size of a man's fist, but I can hear the abundance of the sound of rain. Yars, you might be the size of a man's fist right now, but I can hear the sound of the abundance. I can do it. I can hear the sound of abundance of heavy rain. This church, we might all oh, hear yeah, we're 50, we're hundred, whatever it is, but you know what? It doesn't matter how big it is. It's when you attach faith to that thing, it's not like that, there's a storm, that's a storm. I see a storm right here, rising. I see a storm right here, ready to pour out onto our community. Are you with me, church? If you will see a perspective with eyes of faith, anything can happen. Are you with me? And here's the deal. When you start to see differently, you start to speak differently. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. And... Uh, I love, I love it in the Bible where, at the, in the book of Genesis, where, where uh, God says, the very first words in the Bible, he says, let there be light, and there was light. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That the first purpose of words was not communication, it was creation. Yeah. Yeah. The very first purpose of word was not communication, it was creation. Yeah. And I love the story of Ezekiel. But, you know, Ezekiel 37, why don't we just turn there? Ooh. Ezekiel thirty-seven verse two, please. I love this little story because it's about this. It's about creation through the through the through the mouth, through the word, and it says this. Then uh, then the Lord, I'm going to start from verse one. Ezekiel thirty-seven. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, I said, oh God, only you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied, and as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. And it goes on to say that sin you come on that thing. But I love it because it's a story about us. It's a story about man creating with his words. God has given us power in our words. He says, there's creation power in your words. He says, if you speak to that mountain, it will be removed. Yeah, he talks about that a lot. A lot in the Bible, he's talking about use your mouth, speak, speak, right, speak, all this kind of stuff like that, use your mouth. But I find in that church, can I be just blunt and honest, and, I, and I'm talking about myself here too, I find that sometimes we walk around with our sword sheathed a lot. The Bible says that the word of God is our sword. It's what we use to attack. It's what we use to go forward. You know, You know what I mean? But I find that a lot of us, including myself at times, we leave our our sword sword, sword, sheath, tongue twister, in in the scabbard. scabbard. I'll have a drink of water right now. Are you with me? We walk around as Christians powerless because we don't know how to speak. Powerless because we leave our sword at home sometimes. Powerless because we don't use the weapon that God has given us to use. And uh, I'll tell you a little story about when I was a little young kid. It's a a little testimony when I was a young kid. Actually, I'll start a little bit later. As as an adult, I've always been really shy of taking off my shirt, like going to the beach and taking off my shirt. No, it's not because of that. Always been really shy about, like, I'm just, you know, personal testimony. I used to be really shy about taking, like, you know, really shy, like, scared, like, really shy, and and, and I didn't know why until I think it might even be my wife. She said, "Why are you so shy about taking off your shirt?" I said, "Cause I'm fat," and she said, "What?" I said, "Cause I'm fat." And She like, I don't know if it was my wife or someone, but I'm just gonna say no. as my wife but it was somebody. I can't remember who. And they they, they pulled me up and they said, well, what do you mean you're fat? I said, I'm fat. And they said, you're not fat. And I said, I'm fat. And we had this little bit of a talk and it, and it went away. But I, I walked away from that thinking, where did I get that from? Where did I get this thing that I'm fat from? And God showed me this little picture. And I remember this time when I was a little primary school guy. I don't know what year nine, or different in New Zealand, so... Um, and we have caves for classrooms, just joking. (laughs) But I remember being a little fella, maybe about, maybe seven, eight, around that time. And we, you know, as little kids in the country, you run around with your shirts off, play footy, do whatever, and you put it on, and you you put your shirt on after the bell rings, and you go into class. And um, so I remember running around playing whatever with my shirt off, and there's a girl, like, I was an eight-year-old, and this little girl that I thought was, like, really pretty. (laughs) Eight, eight. Seriously, keep it clean. And um, I thought this girl was really, really pretty. And I remember going to, the, to this water fountain to drink and I bent over and I, you know, the little bubblers and blah, And she walked past me and said, oh, I didn't know you had a little pot belly. And, and at the time, I didn't think much of it and that kind of stuff, but God showed me that that, that little girl's voice was still inside my head. God has shown me that that little girl's voice was still running around on the inside of me. And, and it was funny because no matter what anyone else said, that internal voice was more powerful. They, they could have told me I was a donus or whatever. But I found that this little internal voice on the inside of me was more powerful than any other voice that I had. It was the quietest but the most powerful. Do you know what I mean? And it's the belief, it's the voice that tells you what you truly believe about yourself. And I realized that, that I had all these other voices on the inside of me that I had to address. God started to show me all these little beliefs and these little voices on the inside of me that said, you're this, or you're not this. And I began to realize that because of these voices, I had sabotaged a lot of my call of God. Because someone had said, mate, you're gonna do this. Mate, you're gonna do this. You're gonna do this. And it sounded great out here, but that little voice on the inside was saying, no, you're not. You're not gonna do that. Mate, don't forget who you are. Are you with me? And that little voice is so powerful. And and, and I and the truth is I, I see it in a lot of people. I see this little voice that, mate, you're gonna do this, and I see that little. And it breaks my heart. Because I, I know I know that voice and I know how powerful it is. And and what I had to do was I had to um I had to learn, I had to correct these voices. God told me, Ra, I I I want want you to correct these things. I said, how do I correct them? Well, he says, well, they're a lie. He says, you've got to correct them with the truth. He says, you've got to replace them with the truth. So I started waking up in the morning with the lie. I woke up with the lie. You're fat. When you look look in the mirror, I started with the lie, and God says, no, at the start of the day, you've got to retrain that voice. At the start of the day, you've got to retrain your voice for the day yeah so I started saying these things I started getting up in the morning and saying these saying these things mate you, you're not fabulous. you're know, you listening you I started doing getting up and, and, and started training my inner man to the truth of, of what was said about me I started to train the inner man and and my point is this is when we start I'll tell you there's a lot of voices on the inside of us they're not demons but there's a lot of you know what I mean what, you, what your parents someone said about you what, your auntie, your uncle, parents, yourself? You've got all these vo- You've got these beliefs on the inside of you that need to change, that need to come in line with the Word of God. They really need to come in, because I'm telling you what, it doesn't matter what anyone else says, that little voice is the prevailing voice until you train it otherwise. Do you know what I mean, guys? I love what Joyce Meyer says. She says, if miracles came in cans." Everybody would be down in the supermarket buying, buying them up by the trolley floor. So if you could buy a miracle in a can, everyone will be down Walmart. You know, I can't do the American accent. Everyone will be down there buying them by the box. She said, well, miracles don't come in can't. Miracles come in can't I can do all things through Christ." When we start to use these things, when we start to correct that, those those lies that have been placed on the inside of you, that's will become powerful. That's when we start to move forward. I believe that I couldn't do things. I was told I couldn't do things. So God says, "No, no, no I want you to talk. I, I I I can do all things through Christ." No, but but you don't know me. You don't know. Me. I'm timid. You know, I'm timid. I'm shy. I'm not that person at the front. I'm timid and shy. You don't know me. God says. I've not given you a spirit of timidity, yep. but a power, love, and sound more. And there's so much power in the church speaking right. There's so much power in the church proclaiming the word of God. Yeah? There's so much power in you actually getting the self-talk sorted out. Oh my gosh, it's I'm over time. So my three points are this. Live position and lift your hands. Live, when you live positionally, new vision, yeah. What's your perspective? Where'd you get it from? Is it correct? And the last one is, list your voice. Sort out, the, sort out the voice on the inside of you. But I, I've just got just just one more story, if I could. Please, it'll take five minutes. I'll, I'll go through it. The story when uh, about Jesus when he when he was about to be crucified. It's in Luke twenty-three, verse thirty-nine. It says this. Then one of the It says that Jesus was uh, crucified with criminals either side of him, two guys. It says this, it says, that one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, (laughs) save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God? You are under the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due ward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into the kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you, today you will be me, you'll be with me in paradise. And that's a great story, but it's a sad story. Because we've got one guy saying who understands who Jesus is, and he says, Lord, he says, Take me with you. Jesus says, I will. But you got this other guy over here who has no idea. He, he's talking Jesus down, not understanding the situation he's in, not understanding who he's speaking to. He's going, mate, what are you doing? Who are you? If you are that guy, he's like hanging on the same cross, about not to go to heaven. I'll put it that way. Not even knowing the, the, uh, the opportunity that's ahead of him. He's sitting right there. And I kind of think if only one of his friends actually came out and says, mate, do you know what you're doing? Do, do you know who this guy is? Mate, like, like, seriously, sort it out, mate. He, he's, he's a saviour. He can get you out of this. Buddy, like, stop it, man. Like, like, don't you know who this guy is? I'm wondering if a family member, what if a family member had just come out to him and said, Buddy, he's, oh, or, or, he wouldn't say buddy, family member, says, bro. He says, mate. He says, no, no, stop it, mate. Stop it. Don't you know that he's a saviour? Don't you know that this guy is the king of kings and lord of lords? Don't you know that he could save you from hell if you just asked him, like, Like, seriously, wake up, man, wake up. Seriously, like, I want you to wake up. Just come out and maybe just shook him a little bit and said, Mate, he says, buddy, while he's sitting there on the the cross, about to die, about to go to hell without Jesus. I wonder if a friend had just come up and says, he says, Jono, Jono, this is is your opportunity to make it all right. This is your opportunity to get out. I wonder if even a complete stranger had just been courageous courageous enough to run up to him and says, Mate, you don't know me, Jono. You don't know me, but this is, your, this is your way out, mate. This is your ticket to heaven right now. If only you would just, just, just repent. If only you just, just, all you have to do is just say this prayer and you're going to go to heaven instead of hell. It's that simple. It's right at your grasp. It's right next to you. If you, just, if you just, you know, just listen to someone. If only someone had taken the time to actually push through and shook the cross at your center. I said, mate, mate, it's here. The opportunity's right here. If only someone had done that. The thing is, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm standing, I'm that person standing at the foot of the cross saying, hey guys, Jesus is right here. Jesus Jesus is here tonight. and, And He wants you to come to Him. He wants you to be saved and go to heaven with Him. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c 3 telgratorgau We hope to see you at church soon. There is no greater love than that of yours We want the world to know So we'll rise in selfless faith To live like Christ for all our days